0: Temp check. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
1: Hi, this is Doug from Saxon. You're listening to Talking Metal.
2: Hey, this is Tommy Clofettis, drummer for Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
3: This is Rudy Sarzo, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hello, this is Tony Iommi, and
4: you're listening to Talking Metal.
3: Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
4: <laughs> hey, everyone, this is Todd Latory from Queensryche, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi
0: there, this is Eddie Jackson from Queensryche, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
5: Hey, everybody, it's Tommy Thayer with KISS, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
6: Oh, ah, this is Bip from Saxon, you're listening to Talking Metal, come on. Hello, this is Michael Wilton of Queensreich, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
7: This is Parker from Queensreich and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel,
3: John Astronomy, the Talking Metal podcast, coming, coming to, to you from the Silver space craft. Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. Here's your hosts, Mark and John.
2: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. John Astronomy here with Mark Striegel, Midtown Manhattan, our stomping grounds. Mark, I gotta hand it to you. You have done two killer interviews in the last week or two. You interviewed the guys from Queensryche, the actual Queensryche, not Jeff Tate's Queensryche, and you interviewed Biff and Doug from Saxon. So tell us all about it. And by the way, how are you? I'm great, John. Yeah, uh, we are here in New York, still cold in mid-March.
5: We ducked into a Starbucks, and that's where we're coming to you from today on a little lunch coffee break. Yeah, Queensryche was great last Friday, uh, less than a week ago from when we're recording this host wrap today. Uh, out in New Jersey, Englewood, New Jersey, uh, at the Bergen County Theater out there. Uh, And it was excellent. It was an excellent show. They only played stuff from the EP through Empire. Nothing post-Empire. So this was a return to your roots or their roots tour. Um, And really, honestly, very little even off of Empire. Just the song Empire and Silent Lucidity. Everything else was, you know off those those great albums that fall between uh, you know empire and the ep including the ep they they opened up with queen of the reich a song they haven't been playing for many many years because jeff doesn't like the song or doesn't like playing it or something so todd did a great job with the vocals todd latore the new singer of queens reich i spoke with him michael wilton eddie jackson parker lundgren before the show, and they were, they were just great. It was uh, an honor to sit down with these guys, and it was so refreshing. I've seen Queensryke many times uh, in recent years, and it was this was a refreshing set. set. I mean, songs like Enforcer off of uh, The Warning. I mean, they played a bundle of songs off the, the Warning album. They played the song Prophecy. It originally appeared on the Western Decline of Western Civilization Part Two soundtrack, uh, later they re-recorded it and it was included on the Warning re-release when Warning finally came out on CD. It wasn't a song that was originally on the Warning. Um, and uh, then that original version of the the Prophecy, the same one that appeared on the Western uh, Decline of Western Civilization Part Two soundtrack, was included on that Rarities album that came out a number of years back. So great stuff. This is a great interview with them. We talk about all sorts of stuff, including where the the battle for the the name Queensryche stands. We talk about Chris DeGarmo. We talk about the current choice of songs. So without further ado, here's my interview with Queensryche, recorded in New Jersey on March 8th, 2013. From Talking Metal, and we have four of the five guys from Queensrank joining us right now. We have Michael, Parker, Todd, and Eddie. How are you guys doing?
6: Doing great. It's great to be here in New Jersey. Just fresh from uh, Toronto, and it seems like the snow is kind of following us wherever we go.
0: Oh, we're following the snow.
6: Yeah. We are totally psyched
5: because there is a new record coming out, and I think we're looking at a June release date with Century Media, which is very exciting. We heard 90 seconds of the record uh, a couple weeks ago on the Eddie Trunk Show. Let's talk about the direction of the record. Um, Some people have been speculating online this is going to be a a retro-sounding record, but after hearing the clip, I thought, no, I don't really think it's a retro-sounding record. Could you describe the direction musically of this uh, record? Todd, how about you take a, a stab at that?
4: Well, I mean, this is a um a body of work that everyone's contributed on and, you know, Parker wasn't part of of that legacy in the writing process, so there's a fresh new perspective with a writer with Parker and with myself. I think that there are, you know, um musical elements that are definitely Queensryche sounding. Um and I think within the songs that we have for the album, you know, there're there are songs that um, you know possibly could have been on a Rage for Order or a Mind Crime or something like that. I think there's a little bit of everything in this new record with a a whole new flavor. You know, um, vocally there's that common thread, but there there are some you know it's my sound which is going to be a little different. Um, I think the guitars are probably a little crunchier, maybe. I mean, Ed's got his his the amazing bass tone on here. I mean, they have dueling harmony guitars. Scott, I think Scott's drumming. I think it ch- he challenged himself on this record compared to the last, you know, couple of albums. I think that the music is um, new and fresh, and you know, it's a it's just a great record. I, I wouldn't say that it's a you know a balls to the wall heavy metal album. It's just it's got heavy metal elements, but it also has you know very musical um, compositions with you know some string arrangements, and uh, it's just a really nice complete body of work, in my opinion.
0: You know, we've been working with Jimbo Barton, and we try to re- uh, recreate some of these sounds sonically from, like, the first five, six albums. Uh, he worked with us on Operation Mindcrime, Empire, and Promised Land. And those albums, sonically, we were re- very pleased, you know, and uh, bringing him back to the fold, he uh, he's kind of bringing back some of those elements.
5: Cool. And, you know, uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about the new record, but you mentioned those those early records now the the set list uh, Scott spoke about on his Eddie Trunk interview the other the other uh, night or the other week is including a lot of old classics, if not all old classics. Eddie, as a, as somebody who's been in the band from day one, is it was it tough to go back and play these songs? Did you have to relearn some of these songs?
3: Well,
0: especially those that we haven't played in quite a long time. But um, it's like falling off a bike again. You know, I mean, uh, you just uh, run through the songs, uh, you, you familiarize yourself with them, and but um, for the most part, I think it's kind of refreshing, even though they're older songs, but uh, it's kind of refreshing going back and listening to these and relearning them again, you know? Yeah,
5: I mean, it was interesting because I, I read a, an interview with Jeff back at the end of last year, where he was saying, he basically cut down the song Queen of the Reich and talked about how, you know, it wasn't a good song, it wasn't this, and then uh, you know, And then to hear one of my all-time favorite songs, period, not just from you guys, just period. And then to hear Scott the other day doing an interview talking about relearning it and uh, playing it again live really put a smile on my face and uh, just made me very excited for what you guys are up to. Um, Parker, I wanted to ask you, being so young and a lot of this material uh, that you're playing now came out maybe even before you were born... How, how, is, how is somebody your age, uh, uh, or how do, how do your peers that are your age uh, view Queensryche and the Queensryche legacy?
7: Well, the thing that I always say is, you know, my favorite albums by Queensryche are, you know, the first, you know, four or five albums, which is exactly what we're playing in the set list and uh you know they were my age if not younger when they made all those albums so if anything you know it's even though they're uh you know i'm a lot younger than they are now um i'm the same age as when all my favorite records came out by them so i think it's uh you know nothing wrong with that and it's just kind of a fresh perspective for you know writing and stuff like that so
5: excellent and there um are how many songwriters involved in the new record you mentioned that Everyone. pa- everyone's writing everyone's,
7: everyone's cr- cool
6: Outside, nobody outside the five of us. So.
5: And have you guys come up with a name for the record
6: yet? Kind of, but we're not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: we're not really at liberty to discuss it right now, but um, we will soon. Excellent. Cool. And you guys will be heading out on the Monsters of Rock cruise, right? Can you talk a little bit about what that actually is?
6: It's a, It's a cruise that I think there's almost... 40 bands on there there's a lot of bands and it's a it's a big ship full of uh, crazy people that want to hear rock and roll I mean they are probably really great business minded people but as soon as they step on the boat they think they're 19 and they start drinking and it's just a crazy place to be but um, as far as um, performing they have a a, a theater on the boat and most of the bands uh, at least perform once there and then on the deck there's a pool uh where everybody hangs out and has a good time and, and uh, usually the bands play there and what what's great about it is there's because there's so many bands there's music till four in the morning it's like just constantly going there's there's other places on the boat where there's like casinos and uh, different bars with smaller stages for you know those type of bands and um, the uh, th- I think the the interesting thing for us is, you're kind of exposed in, in your fans, you know, it's kind of hard to have some alone time with your, your wife or your girlfriend, you know, right. it's like, or both. but, <laughs> <laughs> or, or both. Yeah.
5: And so how, like, how many days are you out on this cruise?
6: I think it's, it's five days. We perform twice and, uh, it, it goes to two locations, some, you know, really nice places. Um, And, you know, compared to the weather here, it should be really nice down there by the time we get there, which will be, you know, great for us. Cool.
5: And let's talk a little bit about gear. Parker, what kind of guitars and amps are you playing out of?
7: Uh, Live or on the record?
5: Let's say live.
7: Um, Live, I've been using uh, a bit bit of everything. I've been using Hughes & Kettner rig for amps, and um, I use uh, mostly Gibson SGs. I've got a, a double neck that... I've been using, which I was really excited about, because DeGarmo used to use a a double neck for a lot of the songs live, so that's been cool to kind of incorporate with all the old stuff that we've been playing
6: now, so. Yeah.
5: And how about you, Michael?
6: I'm still using my tried-and-true ESPs, guitars. Um, uh, This tour, I'm using uh, crank amps and speaker cabinets, and then I've got a a Zoom uh, G5 uh, foot pedal, so it's scaled down. I don't have the NASA rig out with me right now, so, um, but you'll hear it tonight. It's pretty awesome.
5: Cool. Can't wait. And Eddie, how about you?
0: Mine's pretty simplistic, very conventional. I've got uh, Mike Lull bases, Specter bases, uh, hard key amplifiers, uh, bass amplifiers, and hard key uh, bass cabinets. It's pretty simple. Cool.
5: And Todd, I wanted to ask you, um, influence wise, who some of your favorite singers are, and who has influenced you uh, the most as far as singers go?
4: Well, I mean, within the the metal genre, you know, certainly, you know, Jeff Tate was a big inspiration, Bruce Dickinson, um, Ronnie James Dio, I was a big Striper fan, so Michael Sweet, um, but I was also, you know, I'm still a big fan of the singer-songwriter era of the 70s, mm-hmm. so I was a big, you know, Fleetwood Mac fan, and Hart, and... Steely Dan, Billy Joel, Elton John. You know, there are a lot of different influences for different reasons. You know, I liked a lot of the, some of the old Motown stuff that my mom exposed me to when I was growing up. But, you know, I was really into the operatic power metal style of singing. You know, so I like the heavy vibrato. I like the full range. I like the lows and then, you know, the high screams and stuff. So, you know, um, those are probably my top picks for the style that I sing in you know that I mentioned
5: cool and can you talk a little bit about how you actually came into the fold
4: with the Queens right guys well I long story short um, I was at the Nam convention in California um, and uh, I was at a private artist dinner party for Seymour Duncan I ran into Michael and um, you know we just talked a little bit and uh, he was doing some he had some original music for some on side projects and TV and music for TV and sports reels and all kinds of stuff like that. So he asked if I would be interested in, you know, participating in some of that stuff and just kind of, you know, going along those lines and we exchanged information. He emailed me some songs and I just, I wrote, uh, to one of them and emailed him back and he was really, really um, digging, you know, what, what I did with his song and, uh, In fact, that song, I believe, is on the new album. And, uh, you know, they were just working outside of Queensryche. You know, they just wanted to work. At that time, Jeff was really promoting his solo career a lot. There was just a small handful of dates for Queensryche. So, you know, they all have lives and families and, you know, want to play and make a living. So that's how the Rising West thing started. And then, as you know of everything else that, that transpired, it's you know evolved into where we are now but the initial meeting of the guys was just a very casual out of the blue random oh hey there you know there's michael at a dinner and we just talked and everything just you know it just happened so naturally and he you know told the guys about me and hey why don't we do this you know with this rising west thing and so that was that's how it started you know
5: have you, Michael, spoken to Chris Degarmo any time recently?
6: I actually speak to Chris all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we uh, we golf together a lot. So, and our wives are really close. So, oh, cool. but uh, yeah, so I, I speak to him all the time. And he he
5: doesn't do anything musical really anymore.
6: I wouldn't say that. Um, he's pretty involved with uh, his daughter. Um, she has got some songs on iTunes oh, cool. that, that he uh, helped compose. And, uh, you know, Chris is, I'm not going to speak for him, but, you know, I know he's, he's been writing. Oh, cool. He's got a lot of songs left on his hard drive.
5: Nice. And, you know, there are currently, it, it appears that there's almost two bands with this name. Is there a legal battle currently for the name Queensryche? going on or i don't know if that's something you can talk about
6: we really usually don't get into it but yeah that's it's been filed it's you know for public view you can you can check it out but yeah it's it's pretty much it boils down to the name
5: cool eddie can you tell us where the best place to get in touch with you guys online is
6: the best place would be queensrikeofficial.com
5: well, I know a lot of people are rooting for you guys. Uh, I'm one of them, and uh, even Martin Popoff, who a lot of people think is like the, uh, you know, the heavy metal historian, you know, best reviewer ever, he said uh, his prediction for 2013 was uh, that, you know, we were going to get something real strong from you guys. So the pressure's on, <laughs> but we're all we're all excited for you guys, and we can't wait to see the show tonight. So uh, thank you again for joining us.
0: Thanks for having us.
4: Expenditures ranked last in absolute dollars and accounted for only
3: 6% of all federal spending.
2: You just heard Empire by Reich and before the interview, Enforcer. So Mark, I gotta tell you a funny story that I probably told before, but my first metal concert was Reich opening up for Twisted Sister, and we, we've definitely told this because I, I believe Jeff Tate had differed uh, with me on what year that was, but it was either 82 or 83. I always thought it was 82, but maybe it was early 83. And what was funny is prior to seeing Queens Rake Live, I went out and bought the Queens Rake EP. And one would say, what's controversial about that? Normally nothing. But in my hometown, you had to earn the right to buy certain albums. And so when I bought that EP and then I called my friend, and I said, Hey, oh my God, I'm so happy. I just bought the Queens Rake EP, click, hung up on me because I was not worthy yet of buying that. How's <laughs> that? You weren't you weren't cool enough yeah, for, yeah. for that, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. It's funny how kids
5: are. Definitely, uh, yeah. We're here in Times Square, New York City. We both got to run back to work, but wanted to get you these two fresh interviews, Queensryche, uh, that you just heard from, and we're going to get into Saxon, Biff, and Doug. We're in town and they are promoting their new record, which comes out on March 26th. It's called Sacrifice, and we're going to talk to them about that. Uh, but, but before we do, I want to just talk about Clive Burr passing away, the great Iron Maiden drummer who played on those first three albums that we all love so much.
2: Yeah, I was really sad. I actually got a text from Mike Lincoln, uh, drummer of Captain T Astronomy, and he said Clive Burr had passed away, and I had known that he had MS. And, uh, you know, I went immediately online and just started looking at great pictures of Clive Burr from back in the day, And then uh, pictures of him more recently. And he just seems like such a great guy. And, you know, all the guys in Maiden, I think, really liked him and really loved him. Not only liked, loved him. And everybody is just so sad to hear this. Yeah, let's get into a little run to the hills. This is Clive who starts this
5: one off. was run to the hills by iron maiden featuring clive burr on drums rest in peace
2: clive burr let's get into an interview right now with saxon cool mark uh, first we're going to hear the track metalhead by saxon and then we're going to get into the interview with biff Byford and doug scarrett
5: Hey, this is Mark Striegel, and we are very excited because we have Biff and Doug from Saxon joining us here on Talking Metal. How are you guys doing?
8: Good. Hi. We're doing good. We're doing good. We're freezing our brass things off today. It's cold here.
5: It is cold. Mid-March, uh, usually the end of winter in New York City. So. Yeah, it's uh, the
8: same in England. It's like three seasons in one day these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Get up, it's summer. We have lunch. It's winter. Yeah. We have dinner. It's sort of autumn. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. weird. Weird planet at the moment.
5: I hear you. So we're uh, totally psyched about the new record. I want to talk to you guys about this. I believe, if if my poor math skills are correct, the 20th album, studio album by Saxon, right? Somebody
8: told us that. We didn't know that, did we? No, we We weren't really counting, you know. So yeah, it's good. Did you? I thought it was more actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's been some live stuff. 53. yeah. 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 But we've got a lot of live albums, you see. So I suppose people don't count them, do they? Which is a bit unfair.
5: Let's talk about the record, uh, Sacri- Sacrifice is the name, and uh, let's start off the title track, great track, inspired
8: by the Mayans, is that true? Yeah, about the Mayans, about the human sacrifice, you know, uh, pulling out the, the heart while it was still beating, and it must have been terrible to see your heart beating, and then slowly go and fade into black, but yeah, it's a weird thing, but yeah, it's an interesting subject, yeah. a, bit, a bit bloodthirsty, but good metal.
5: And what about the very intro um, to the album? Some of the—it's uh, almost the atmospheric uh, movie soundtrack music. Who did that?
1: Yeah, Nigel did that. He actually uh, did it in the jungle, didn't he? they real sounds. Yeah, yeah, it's
8: real sounds, and uh, it was about—it was about forty minutes long when he did it. So it like, <laughs> we were like, no, no, cut out the tigers and right. you know, make it, make it, you know, cut it back to about a minute. But yeah, I mean, it uh, didn't have a title. I called it Procession because I, yeah, I imagine that you know the walking through the jungle to the temple to sacrifice people. So okay, cool. I thought procession would be quite to get, you, get your mind going a little bit.
5: Excellent. And a lot of great songs on this record. Uh, I, I like uh, Wheels, not Wheels of Steel, Wheels of Terror. Oh, Let's talk about, yeah, one. I like that one. Uh, Let's talk about champion. that. Is that uh, about, obviously, well, we Wheels of...
8: by the video game people that have got Tank. You know, you can play it online. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're going to use it or not because they take a long time to make decisions, the video guys. But I think they use classical music on their game. But um, yeah, that's what we wrote it for. It's about tanks, basically wheels of terror, I and mean, that's what it's about. Yeah.
5: Excellent. And some, of, let's see, some of the other songs that jumped out at me. Uh, one that kind of reminded me of uh, old-school '80s song in a way. Standing in a queue. It kind of had that just bounce and uh, almost a retro sound to me. Uh, talk about that song. Where did that come from?
8: Um. Well, uh, uh, the thing is we had two songs on the album that are quite similar tempos, aren't they? Yeah.
1: Uh,
8: That one and a song called... um, Luck of the Draw. Yeah, Luck of the Draw, which is about, you know, doing the lottery. And it was a toss-up, really, which one... The record company have to have an exclusive track in the contract for iTunes or wherever, or Japan, or I don't know. I don't know, China, wherever they want to do it. And... uh, they heard the songs and and they uh you know they wanted to look at the draw for the thing uh the band wanted to look at the draw for the album but I thought standing in the queue was quirkier so because I was producing I got I got the last say so yeah. I put standing in the queue on but you know it's just a fun song really yeah, it's uh you know i mean you know i see since we've done the album we've done quite a lot standing in the queue <laughs> so it's a bit relevant this this month is very relevant that song yeah, yeah.
5: Uh, one other song. Doug, let me ask you about uh, some of the sounds that I hear on the song. Uh, what was that? Belfast. Made in Belfast. Now, is that what is, is that like a mandolin or a ukulele or something yeah, going in there?
1: Yeah, it's a mandolin at the beginning and in the middle. Yeah, yeah. 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 So who's playing that? Do you play oh, that? Paul, actually. Oh, there's Paul yeah. playing that. Okay, yeah. cool. And how, many,
5: what, how do you play it? Is it four strings, three strings?
1: Yeah, it's four strings. It's tuned the same as a violin. Oh, but okay. I think it's to oh, an oh, open, open tune. It's like that, a 12-string. Ah, okay. It's actually
8: an 8 string, isn't it? Yeah. You know, two strings or octaves, but it's tuned differently. Okay. You know, it's pretty good. My my son's got it now. He plays it. Ah, okay. Cool.
5: Cool. That's uh, another great song. Kind of, what's that about? This the working class kind the working of working again, class, a theme yeah, well, throughout you know, Saxons. You
8: know, building the Titanic and all the big battleships. Yeah. You know, um, I went. I went to the to the museum there when we were in Belfast, and all the pictures of the tenements. You know, where people used to live. I just thought it was a cool, you know, I'm always writing lyrics about working class people, so I just thought that was pretty cool, you know, made in Japan, made in Hong Kong, right. made in Belfast, right. cool. yeah, could awesome. have been made in, made in Yorkshire, actually, but...
5: Definitely. And...
8: Yeah, right.
5: So Saxon uh, hooked up with Andy Sneap on this album, kind of a guy who's... Uh, seen as this hotshot uh, producer but he didn't produce the record no, for you guys what, he was just mixing
8: I mean, well he was, he was he got pretty involved while he was mixing I mean he had a few ideas on things like um, uh, Night of the Wolf he should have you know moved a few things around for us made the song a bit more complete but no mostly mixing he, he controlled the sounds you know we gave him what we gave him was very uh, uh, you know loud and full on and we didn't, we didn't do a lot of guitar overdubs. It's pretty much, you know, Doug left and Paul right. So, so he really did a great job actually. Controlled the uh, Mayhem really well, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Got your drums drum sounding great, you know. Yeah, the album. And uh, he sounds like an animal, which he is an animal, Nigel. And uh, everything on the album sounds pretty, you know. It's a pretty perfect mix, really. I can't yeah. really fault it, right. you know.
5: Now, when you guys are setting out in, like, the songwriting phase, do you all get together in a room and kind of jam out ideas, or is it more, you know, different people?
1: That's the peop- second phase, really. That's the second phase? Yeah, I mean, we'd we, we start with ideas at home, all meet, and, uh, you know, we all play our ideas, basically, and uh, see what sticks. We'll right. see what, um, what, what uh, Biff finds inspiring. That's really. right. Yeah.
8: Yeah. I think that's what makes us a bit unique, you know, because... You know, we're all able to experiment with each other's thing, you know. I mean, sometimes I write lyrics for some of the guys and sometimes not. Sometimes I'll play guitar, you know, and things, so it's really mixed up, really. We don't really have any rules, do we? No, you know, no. I mean, Nibs writes quite a few guitar yeah. riffs as well. Yeah. I mean, Nibs can play really great drums, so sometimes you'll play drums, and Nigel might play jungle sounds on the keyboard or something, so we're pretty experimental when we're in studios, pretty full-on, really.
5: Well, we suggest all the talking metal listeners pick up the album, and uh, also the Saxon documentary, which I thought was just great. Heavy Metal Thunder. Uh, let's talk about the production of that. How how involved were you guys with the actual production of the documentary?
8: Well, not much, really. I mean, we gave them we gave them a lot of, you know, they, they took me around a bit to to the places where we used to go as in the eight early before we were signed in the. Late 70s, like in Wales and things with the steam train connections and all that sort of thing. And, uh, but we didn't really get much involved, really. I mean, we had, a, we had a, like an executive uh, overview. Right. If there's anything we didn't like, we could check it out. But really, there's nothing in there. You know, I mean, they're all in the two ex members. Who, who I think
5: the documentary is pretty fair to them, it's actually.
8: Fair. I mean, my, me personally, I think they could have said more. Rather than, like, you know, being stand-up comedians. But, yeah, it's fair enough. If that's what they wanted to do, then yeah. that's what they wanted to do, you know. But uh, those two guys, are a bit spinal-tappy, so that's what you would expect, you know. Yeah.
5: And it's interesting now, Doug, uh, you know, you've been in the band, if, again, if my math is correct, I think a, as long, if not longer, than Graham was in the band. Uh, yeah, this, 18- is my,
1: this is my 19th, 19th year, so how long was Graham in? Uh, wow. From, yeah, not, but, but it must be if you just count from
8: '79. Obviously, be, you've been in longer. Yeah,
5: you know. What are some of your highlights when you look back over 19 years in Saxon?
1: Uh, so, I mean, some of the most memorable memorable were probably in the first year, with just because it was also crazy joining the bandits. You know, it, it, just in a, within a few weeks and being on the road. And uh, we were talking earlier about the um, first American gig was was in San Antonio and. Uh, It was just all crazy that, you know, know, it was too, it's overwhelming like so much in such a short space of time that, that, and, um, I loved making the Lionheart album for whatever reason, you know, when, when, when I loved making all the albums, but for some reason that, that, that one really sticks in my mind. I I don't know why, but.
3: Cool.
5: Very good. And. What about some of the bands that you've toured with, Doug, in the past 19 years? Uh, any memorable bands that uh, have shared the bill with Saxon that kind of stick out in your mind more than others?
1: Uh, Deep Purple was quite was was a pretty uh, was was pretty amazing because I was a you know as a young as a young teenager I was a big fan of Deep Purple so you know drinking with uh, Roger Glover was was quite quite fun, cool. you know, and uh, we we'll just meet, just meeting
4: the guys, you know,
1: was, was great.
5: Biff, when you think back on some of those early tours you, you did, are there any that stick out uh, to you? I know you've written about the Motley Crue tour and stuff like that. Uh, what have, what other tours, the Ozzy tour, you toured with Randy Rhodes and Ozzy yeah, Osbourne, right?
8: supported her, actually, there were special guest tours in Europe, Ozzy. Uh, um, Yeah, it was great, you know. I mean, Aussie was fantastic. When I don't really have any bad Aussie tales, you know, I'm one of the very few people that don't. Uh, I mean, he was cool, and so was Sharon. Fantastic band, you know. And uh, I mean, Randy would come in the dressing room and jam out a bit with us and things, you know. It was it was great. He didn't really last on the tour very long. Um, He left it for health reasons, I think. But um, you know, he was totally cool with us. You know, it was great.
5: So Ozzy left the, the, the tour for, for health reasons?
8: I don't know why he left, he just, they just obviously decided to do something else. But they did quite a few shows and then, you know, nobody told us really this. <laughs>
5: yeah. What other bands back from that time era do you remember touring with?
8: Well our first tour of America was with Rush on the Moving Pictures album. We love that album, we love Rush, you know. All musicians love Rush, you know, so, uh, but that was a great, great tour totally wrong audience but you know a great a great tour for us and um, and they were pretty cool you know Uh, we did some great tours we actually did a tour Cheap Trick that was that was great as well but again not the right audience but you know it was a great experience Um, I think the Maiden tour we did you know the Saxon Power and the Glory tour uh, connected with Maiden Peace of Mind that was a huge tour we did Uh, really um, you know that's the biggest album we had in America I think that Power and the Glory and then we did Motley Crue with Crusader which was another great album for America yeah. and then you know our manager died around that time so we really went into a little bit of a free fall after that
5: and you mentioned Maiden uh, obviously Peace of Mind was post uh, Clive Burr but we just lost Clive Burr did you, either of you guys
8: know Clive well? Uh, I didn't know him well but I knew him I mean we spent time talking to him you know, I mean, he's uh, pretty unique style, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, all those guys that were, that were in the original Maiden, uh, Dennis Stratton, the guitarist, you know. Right. we We used to, you know, see him a lot in a band called Lionheart, actually, mm. which he just started after Maiden. so, yeah, we were pretty much on the same wavelength in them days, yeah.
5: And, let's see, we're in New York right now. You guys are here for a few days doing press, and you are heading down south to get on board the Monsters of Rock cruise. Do you enjoy playing on a boat, Doug? What is this like? Do you, is, is the, I would think, the movement of the it's
1: boat... ship, actually. Yeah, we, we've only She's done, done it... a boat, you've got oars. I've we done only done did it once it. before on uh, 70,000 tons yeah. of mill. It was, was great. I mean, obviously, we didn't really know what to expect but it was, it was really good. It is a bit odd playing on a moving stage, though.
3: Yeah.
5: And no seasickness or anything like that?
1: No, no. Um, not, not only um, booze boo-sick, okay. no, no yeah, sickness. Booze yeah. sickness. No seasickness. Party and sickness.
5: And it sounds cool to me because I would think that the fans, maybe it's not so cool for you guys, but the fans get to party with all their favorite rockers and rock stars. Is, is that cool for you, or do you wish you could get away from them?
8: I mean, some yeah, it's good. Some bands don't like it, obviously, being that close to their fans, but we thought it was pretty cool. You know, we're a pretty down-to-earth bunch of guys, so... Yeah,
1: yeah and they were pretty pretty respectful, actually. Yeah, I mean, the you first know, know day was, was a bit crazy with autographs and,
8: yeah. you know, let's spot the rock stars thing. But after that, it was yeah. pretty cool. I mean, they can't get off, can they? They can't, you know, we can play as loud as we want, really. You know, if they complain, it's tough.
5: Excellent. And will there be plans to make a trek back through the states at some point?
8: Yeah, we're looking at coming after summer. We're pretty busy up to August now. Um, so yeah, after summer we've got September, October penciled in for the states. Okay. So we're just looking for a nice tour to jump onto a package or something. Yeah. Or or not, you know. If we don't get a package, then we have to come and play the cities where we can uh, pull people. Mm-hmm. So we usually end up maybe New York's always great for us. You know, some parts of Texas are fantastic. You know, the West Coast is great. So, But usually we miss out a huge center of America, which is, you know, where the bulk of the rock fans are, which sadly, you know, so we don't really get into there because we don't get off of the shows.
5: Now, you talk about fans, you know, um, being in different locations. It seems for Saxon... There's always been a, a super strong... I mean, there's been Saxon fans all over the world, obviously, but a super strong Saxon fan base in Germany. Is that correct? And why, why is that?
8: I think there, there was a super... The, the, the German fans were super strong through the bad days, you know, when, when, when metal wasn't so popular, ah, okay. you know, through the 90s. And I think Maiden, Priest, and Motörhead especially, you know, we, we sort of centered around Germany because that's where the press was still you know supporting us and the radio stations and the fans were very loyal I think in the UK the press sort of turned against us a little bit and uh, the radio stations stopped playing us and uh, you know we sort of dropped out of people's minds a little bit and uh, in the last five years it's all turned around again you know the, the press are really supportive of us again which is great And um, you know we get a lot of airplay on the rock shows And um, you know the internet's made a massive difference to us uh, you know, YouTube and uh, Facebook and our website, Saxon7.com, we get thousands of hits, you know. Even if people don't go on the forum, they're just looking to see what's happening with us, you know, around the world, so it's great.
5: Where is the best place for the Talking Metal listener to pick up the documentary that we mentioned earlier? Can they buy it through through the website?
8: Uh, as far as I know, it's just about to be released in America. Okay. Um, I think I'll just ask Alex over there. Is it about to be released? Yeah, it... it yeah, it's about to be released in April, I think. It's a Blu-ray coming out. Oh, April the 6th or 7th or something. Yeah. It's true, I'm not making it up. No. I, I,
5: Chip actually sent it to me, which is why I, I got to yeah, see it. So on blu It's
8: coming out, which should be cool, actually. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a copy.
1: Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, know.
8: because we've got all these packages of sacrifice with, like, silver boat bottles and hoodies and... Vinyl, and we haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. Then, uh, I had to yeah. download the album off iTunes, you know, to to to, to listen to the lyrics for this trip. So, it must be selling really well, because the band haven't got copies yet.
5: Uh, last time we spoke, you were talking about your autobiography, which is a number of years old at this point. Any chance that we would get an official release of that at some point in the states?
8: Well, the publishing deal I did is pretty is pretty. Um, it's pretty crappy actually so I'm tied into uh, it being books it being a book uh, but I think the deal finishes soon so I might do a small rewrite bring it more up to date put a bit more sex in there maybe <laughs> a, bit more, a bit more scandal and uh, you know and re- redo it and maybe put it on the internet you know uh, iBooks or Kindle or yeah. one of those big Sony Yeah, you know, that would be cool and then people can access it much quicker yeah. you know
1: Doug,
5: you going to write a book?
1: No.
8: <laughs> okay. I, I, the thing is, though, I must tell you one thing that nobody knows. I actually interviewed the band. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Quite a while ago. I was thinking about it better than me doing an autobiography. It might be nice to do a Saxon book. Ah, okay. So I interviewed them all. You know, it's really hard work. It was like pulling teeth. Right. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, you know, asking everybody what their influences were and right. what they wanted to do and... I got it all it must be about five hours worth oh, yeah. all on tape yeah I've still got it yeah so maybe that'll come out you know cool maybe that could go in the book yeah you know so yeah I mean different the books called different things in different countries which I don't really agree with yeah. I is that like, due
5: to the publisher or
8: I, yeah I quite like never surrender yeah you know it translates in all languages yeah. but it's called Eagle has landed in one part balls or something, something. <laughs> something like that, you know, so it's different, different, um, you know, brass monkeys or something, yeah, something weird, so I don't really like that, so, you know, I need to get that sucker back into control, you
5: know, I got you, cool, and uh, you can read it if you're in America, you just have to order it and have it shipped over, yeah, right?
8: Amazon's got it, you know, they, you have to wait for it, because they have to order it into them, but yeah, you can buy it, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, people bring it to me all the time to sign. So we see a lot of books around.
5: All right. Well, guys, good luck on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Good luck with the new album. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us on Talking Metal. Will there be a lot of uh, new songs in the set list on the Mo- Monsters of Rock cruise?
8: No, I don't think we're going to play too many new songs. We're going to be pretty, pretty, pretty loose. You know, a few hits down there, I think. People want to, you know, get off and party to the music we will play some though. we just haven't decided yet
1: no we've got a we've got a few in reserve
8: yeah it's exclusive for the cruise I shouldn't tell you really. Okay, I got you guys thanks so much appreciate that
5: What you just heard was my interview with Biff and Doug from Saxon. Be sure to support them with their new record, Sacrifice. And coming out of that interview, we heard procession into sacrifice. So big thanks to Chip for hooking that interview up. It was here in Midtown Manhattan in New York City. And we will have footage of that soon, thanks to Jay Bones, coming to youtube.com slash talking metal.
2: Very cool, Mark. Thank you so much for going and doing both of those great interviews. Thanks to Jay Bones, thanks to Chip, thanks to Queensryche, and also thanks to Saxon, and most of all, thanks to all you listeners who have made Talking Metal possible. Yeah, thanks, guys.
5: This is Standing in a Queue off the new Saxon album. Support Talking Metal by going and purchasing a t shirt on TalkingMetal.com. Thanks.